Welcome back to your walk to class. <laughs> that was my news anchor voice. <laughs> You're not saying anything. <laughs> Hi, I'm Leah Crowley. Hi, I'm Kate LeBlanc. And you're listening to R5 Cents. A podcast brought to you by the University of Rhode Island student-run newspaper, The Good Five Cent Cigar. This is your walk to class. All the news you need to know and the time it'll take you to walk from Keeney to Swan. We got a lot coming this week. Big election update. Big campus news update. It's gonna be great. Big Rhode Island update. Big Rhode Island update. Look at us covering all the bases. Okay, so we're going to start this episode by giving an election update on the 2020 presidential election. Last week was, our whole episode was dedicated to this, so we just want to let you guys know what happened in case you didn't hear. So on Saturday, I believe, Saturday morning. Yes. Saturday morning, Joe Biden was elected the president. He won the election. Currently, he has 279 electoral college votes compared to Trump's 217. There's still three states that are not accounted for, which being Arizona, Georgia, North Carolina. Arizona and Georgia are still projected to go blue. Obviously, like, it matters, but, you know, not completely because he's already won. Um, he's reached that 270. As of now, President Trump has not conceded in any way, shape, or form. Still outstanding. His... Lawyers held a press conference at Four Seasons Landscaping in Philly, which also made headlines, saying that they were going to be taking legal action, I guess? Yeah. Um, also, yesterday, Mike Pompeo got up in a press conference and basically said there will be a... He literally said, and I quote, there will be a smooth transition into a second Trump presidency. Okay, so we are now going to go into what is trending on Twitter. My first Twitter trend is that the New York Times published an article saying there's no evidence of voter fraud, U.S. election officials say. I'm reading from this article or this tweet right now, and it says, The president and his allies have baselessly claimed that rampant voter fraud stole victory from him. Officials contacted by the Times said that there were no irregularities that affected the outcome. And these include election officials in dozens of states from both parties. And I've also noticed that if you look at President Trump's Twitter, a lot of it is censored right now by Twitter itself. Clearly there's some misinformation going around and on the whole, voter fraud is not a real problem in this election. Unless your ballot was in that Boston mailbox that was lit on fire. Yes. Did we talk we talked about we that? We did talk a about that on a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So unless your ballot was one of the ones torched in Boston. The eighty eight. There's only eighty eight folks. <laughs> and seventy something were recovered. Yeah. There is no real threat of voter fraud. And I think you can speak to that as well, having worked in the polls. Having worked at the polls, I can attest to that. Yeah. Everything's by the books, you know? And it's a lot of it's so electronic, so like can't really mess with, but like, I'm not an engineer. I can't do any of that. So as we record this, today's Veterans Day. We have the day off from the classes. There's no classes today. First off, I hope everyone's enjoying the day and I hope that people are celebrating or commemorating the day accordingly. It's the number one trend on Twitter as people kind of reflect on people they know who are veterans and who have served the country. But yeah, that's today, November 11th. So mine is some potentially very important information to our listeners. There has been a recall of romaine lettuce. <gasps> Not again. Yeah, again. Um, the FDA has tweeted and, you know, put out this information. It's a recall of Tenemura and Antle packaged single-head romaine lettuce with 10-15 or 10-16 pack dates due to possible E. coli contamination. 
And it's always the E. coli and the romaine lettuce, I feel like. It is always E. coli and romaine. Right? They're meant to be together or something. I don't know. You know what? It's the universe saying switch to healthier leafy greens. Exactly. Go for that spring mix next time, folks. Kale, spinach. Watch your lettuce, people. Yeah. The last Twitter trending topic I want to talk about today, Texas became the first U.S. state with more than 1 million confirmed COVID cases. Yesterday, they had 11,000 new cases, and as we see across the country, numbers are spiking again. Maybe it's likely we're entering another wave of COVID like we were, you know, in the early spring days. But Texas is putting up the numbers. And I think people are being more complacent these days. Definitely. I've noticed that they've taken out some of the arrows in the grocery store aisles. Mm -hmm. Rhode Island is having problems. Very much so. Especially considering we ha now have a curfew. Massachusetts, too, also has a curfew. I think everyone's kind of... I think the tri-state area is actually doing pretty good, which is good because they obviously weren't in the first wave. But yeah, I, I agree with you. A lot of the arrows are being taken out. I don't know if that's because people just don't use them, which is very frustrating to me because I am a religious arrow follower. Not looking great right now, but hopefully there's room for recovery and more social distancing implementation, stuff like that, in order to see some better things. And the potential of a vaccine. Yes, that was announced. What was it yesterday? Yeah, what was, I think what's so. What's that company Pfizer. called? Pfizer announced that they have a vaccine right now that has a 90% success rate. So we're still talking about COVID news, however many months later. Yeah. One of our reporters, Adam Gary, wrote a story this week about how the university has made it this far, as in we're still in person pre-Thanksgiving. Because I think a lot of, I know a lot of administration and a lot of students had doubts we would even make it this far, especially with Halloween coming up and stuff. But he talked to the director of health services, Ellen Reynolds, about the vaccine that was announced or that has been discussed from Pfizer and it's gonna be like implementing that on campus is going to be a crazy process. I would highly recommend reading that article to see what she had to say because it was very interesting. It has to be stored at like negative 80 degrees so they're gonna have to build these like I don't know like like they don't know how, to, how they're gonna store it yet and also like the multiple rounds they're gonna have to like keep track of and yeah health services is gonna go crazy I think. That sounds wild. Yeah that we've kind of transitioned into our stories that we're going to talk about. I shall start. So I think I touched upon this last week, but Rhode Island has voted to officially change their name. The official name of the Ocean State is actually Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. However, now the plantations part of the name is being removed and it's just going to be, as everyone knows the state as, Rhode Island which obviously is a big step and very important because a lot of people, especially indigenous people and people of color, felt that the name was really hurtful. You know, when you hear plantations, you think of plantations and slavery. One of the people I interviewed, Sal Montero, he said that he has diplomas that he doesn't like to hang up on his wall because he doesn't like to look at the word plantations. It's definitely very important and Governor Gina Raimondo removed plantations from all communications coming out of the governor's office before the vote, so earlier this year. And when Governor Raimondo did that, URI actually also removed it from their diplomas. So the graduating class of 2020, their diplomas actually did not have the word plantations on it for the first time. So obviously there's still a lot of work to be done in the field of civil rights still and the systemic racism in our society, especially considering a lot of people don't really know that Rhode Island does have a history with slavery and with oppression. So it's definitely an interesting video story that you can check out in the newscast this week. 
Also, something I didn't realize until we have a print story on the same thing, and I didn't realize until I was reading it that Rhode Island had voted on a similar topic in what 2010. 2010, and it was overwhelmingly shut down. It was like 79 percent. Yeah, it was like 70 something percent. 80 20, like. And now you see just in the matter of a decade, like a complete majority change. So likely due to the Black Lives Matter movement, I would think. Definitely, and the largely Democratic base that Rhode Island has. So it kind of shows how times can change. It's true. In a short amount of time as well. So that yeah, decades not long for such a mindset shift in forty percent of the population. To change the the constitution of the state too and everything. Yeah. Very interesting. So for my story, I'm going to talk about a story that I wrote this week on study abroad. Obviously, in the pandemic, study abroad's not happening in the traditional sense. And I know a lot of people who were planning to study abroad, whether it be this fall we're currently in, the spring ahead, are kind of disappointed by that, you know? Trips are suspended, universities not supporting international travel. I think it would be really hard to travel internationally by yourself anyways, because there's not a lot of flights right now. So the university has kind of, is working to combat this by offering some online study abroad opportunities that are actually quite interesting. Um, So I talked to Kelly Watts, who is the assistant director of the Office of International Education, who oversees study abroad. And she told me about these online offerings. There's three different kinds. You can do all of your classes online at a single international institution. So you could do all your classes based in Australia. You could do a mix and match. You could take a class in Germany. You could take a class in Spain. You could take a class in Australia. Like you could do whatever you wanted. And then the third was that you could do an online internship that covers like half your credits to be a full-time student and then supplement the rest of that with other international courses, whether it be in that country your internship is in or a different one. So a lot of kind of cool options. Supposedly it's supposed to be like really immersive and I think there's a lot of like skepticism like why would I want that? Like why would I pay the money to do that when all my classes are online here too? And she made a really good point when I talked to her about, so she gave the example of someone who's a nutrition major. They want to see what nutrition is like in different countries. So you get the German perspective, you get the French perspective, you get the Costa Rican perspective, you know, like a really cool way to learn about things from different cultures and different point of views without actually being there. And obviously I think it's less than ideal um, in the sense of not actually being there because I'm sure everyone would prefer that. But it's, I think it's great that they're kind of like adapting to this new world and making that work for them and for students. So yeah. And when else would this be possible? Right, exactly. And it also just like really opens up the world of study abroad for the future too. Like even when we are allowed to travel again and go other places, if someone, for instance, like didn't think they would have time to study abroad, you could take a semester and do all your classes online, like in England, you know, something like that. So I think it creates more flexibility, even though it's just a different sense of what we know. Right now we're going to go over the COVID-19 tracking data at URI from November 3rd to November 10th. For this past week, there have been 7,058 tests administered for 79 positive cases and a 1% positive test rate. There are 340 people in isolation or quarantine, 119 students in university isolation or quarantine, and 21% of the university isolation quarantine beds are occupied. I also know we don't normally say this, but they've administered 41, almost 42,000 tests since January. A very high number considering how we started in the beginning of the semester of not doing that many tests. Exactly. It was like 500 a week. Big jump. Big jump. 
thank you for listening to Your Walk to Class. We hope you got there safely. If you have any comments, questions, you'd like to talk, email us at youraicigar at gmail.com. Thank you. <laughs> Check out the newspaper this week on stands or at roadiesigar.com. And you can also find the newscast at roadiesigar.com. You can listen to previous episodes of Our Five Cents wherever you get your podcasts. Cool. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Since we are going home after Thanksgiving, make sure you tune in next week, too, for our last episode of the semester of your walk to class. Of the season. Of the season. <laughs> this is about, next week is the season one finale, guys. <laughs> it's the season one finale. There's going to be action, cliffhangers, everything. I lied. It's going to be news. But still, tune in. Stay tuned. Our five listeners, thank you.